0: Hello, and welcome to episode 46 of Beekeeping at Five Apple Farm. This is Lee. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had warned everybody that my schedule could get a little bit whacked right around the holidays, um, and it has. So I apologize. I have not been the least bit uh, regular with my posting schedule, but I hope to get back uh, at some point. It might be January. But thank you anyway for putting up with it all. Today is just a pretty simple thing. I found an article online in BeeCulture.com. Uh, it's Bee Culture Magazine. It's from November 20th, but they also have this article online. Um, so I'm going to read it to you, and if you wanted to go check it out, I will have the link in the show notes. Also, by the time I post this, I will finally have the pictures of the bee barn up over at the Patreon page. It will be, uh, everybody will be able to see these, um, and it is patreon.com slash 5apple, F-I-V-E-A-P-P-L-E, and I would welcome your interaction over there. Um, The patrons... uh, they get some bonus content, but I think that anybody can sign up on Patreon, and that way you could comment um, on the, the public notes if you wanted to. No pressure on any of that, but uh, patreon.com slash 5apple is where I will put the show notes and also the pictures of the bee barn. Okay, so this article in Bee Culture, again, November 20th, 2019, and it is why comb rotation is important. The author is Bob Binney, and if I'm not mistaken, he is a commercial um, beekeeper from here in the North Carolina area. Why Comb Rotation is Important by Bob Binney in Bee Culture Magazine. Whenever beekeepers report problems such as premature queen failure, sick brood, or excessive and repeated colony losses, one of my first questions They should ask, one of the first questions they should ask themselves is, how old is my comb and what has it been exposed to? Research has shown that old comb, especially old brood comb, contains significant levels of contaminants including pesticides, heavy metals, fungi, bacteria, and viruses. Any of these can be detrimental to a colony's well-being and large amounts will produce all of the symptoms listed above and more additionally the cell diameter in old heavy black brood comb can shrink from an accumulation of these materials along with fecal matter and cocoon silk left behind by each emerging bee in a three-year field study at the university of georgia jennifer berry compared new comb to old dark heavy comb for brood rearing it was shown that quote on average colonies with new comb produced a greater area of brood, a greater area of sealed brood, and a higher weight of individual young bees. Also quote, bees reared in old comb may weigh up to 19% less than bees reared in new comb. The message here is clear, quote, colonies full of old, dark, heavy comb will have smaller bees and fewer of them. Comb rotation is simply removing old comb and replacing it with either new comb or new foundation to be drawn out or allowing the colony to build their own new comb from scratch. Until recently comb rotation wasn't considered very important and in years past some beekeepers were actually proud of their old comb. They understood old black comb to be strong and durable and beekeepers especially valued them in extracting supers because they wouldn't break apart during rapid uncapping and extracting. Of course our understanding has evolved since then We now know that a colony of bees will eventually probe almost every square inch of a sizable piece of ground, and some of what they touch, collect, and bring home can be very toxic. Nectar, pollen, and propolis frequently contain compounds that didn't exist in the not-so-distant past, and because comb can absorb much of this, old comb should be considered a liability rather than an asset. I just want to pause here for just a second and brag on the certified naturally grown, um, standards. Um, I have let my certification lapse, not because I don't love it and follow all those standards, but I just got behind and, um, doing some of the, uh, paperwork was just too much for me this year. So, um, my customers my honey customers know how I keep my honey and um, so the certification is not so vital to me anymore from a marketing point of view Uh, but one of the um, rules for certified naturally grown is that you have to change out, um, you have to mark your comb, what year it, it was started. And there can't be, uh, basically every year they want you to cull 20% of your comb. So that means that every five years, you would your um, uh, colony, gosh, I can't put my words together. <laughs> your colony, you know, would not ever have any comb older than five years. And um, I just think that's really important. And I like it that they were a little ahead of the game here. Okay, back to the article. Of of course, our understanding, oh, I've already read that one. Okay. On a brighter note, honey consumers can take comfort in the fact that many of the toxins collected in nectar migrate to the comb because they are attracted to beeswax rather than honey. This is due to the lipophilic properties of wax, which means they tend to combine with or dissolve in lipids or fats rather than water. This is also why the comb in a beehive is often called the liver of the colony. A few years ago, a second generation commercial beekeeper I know, who inherited much of his outfit from his father, was struggling to keep his bees alive and healthy. He had tried everything, or so he thought, to keep his bees in good condition, but nothing seemed to work. He suspected that the high percentage of very old comb in his hives might be a part of the problem and sent samples off to a lab for complete analysis. A few days later, he got a call from one of the technicians at the lab who explained to him they would be glad to take his money for an extensive analysis and report, but that all he really needed to know was that nothing could survive in this comb. He was dismayed at first and thought about quitting. However, rather than throw in the towel, he decided to undertake the laborious and expensive job of shaking all the bees from every colony onto new frames and foundation. Six months later, he reported having the best-looking bees he had ever seen. Another problem with old comb is that the synergistic interactions that can occur between compounds previously absorbed and substances currently coming in. Because of the myriad of substances bees are exposed to today, the number of synergistic effects that can be generated is astronomical and can be practically impossible to know. When I began pollinating almonds in the early 1980s, before mites, I would often notice a setback in the overall condition of the bees immediately after a fungicide application. Although the change would sometimes be subtle, other beekeepers I knew noticed it too, but we never considered it a major problem because it wasn't extreme and the bees always seemed to bounce back. Today's world is very different. Because there are so many more chemicals our bees are exposed to, and a colony's comb is the ultimate sink for many of them, an exposure like that that could result in interactions that are often insidious and unforeseen. An example of this occurred with a friend of mine some years back when he came out of almond pollination in California with very sick colonies. The sickness was consistent throughout his entire outfit and was especially evident in the brood. It was a month or two after the bees returned home that they began to turn around, and it was midsummer before he felt like the problem had completely gone away. The problem was especially puzzling, because it developed while he was covering a contract with friends, and their bees were fine, even though they were in the same orchard and exposed to the same environment as his. They all moved their bees in and out of the orchard together and managed them the same way while they were there. Because he was a newer beekeeper and his equipment wasn't very old, he ruled out the possibility that old contaminated comb was the problem. No one could figure it out. A year later, I re- recognized the possibility a possibility while attending a lecture aimed at beekeepers by Marion Ellis from the University of Nebraska, where he spoke on the synergistic effects that occur between chemicals and substances bees are commonly exposed to. He shared a chart that included mite treatments routinely used by beekeepers, chemicals that bees are commonly exposed to in the field, and the levels of toxicity that occur when these substances interconnect. It was very interesting and enlightening to see all the possible combinations and the results of their interactions. One thing that caught my eye was that fluvalinate, the active ingredient in apistan, which at one time was the varroa mite treatment of choice, was shown to have greatly increased toxicity and combined with many fungicides. Of course, fungicides are widely used by almond growers and are routinely applied during the bloom period. I knew my friend had been using this mite treatment for several years before the almond pollination in question, while the other beekeepers with him had been using an amitraz based product which showed less toxic interactions with other compounds. Because fluvalinate is stable in beeswax, it persists in the comb for years, and will build in concentration with repeated use, it seems plausible that exposure to fungicides in the almond orchard, combined with a residual chemical in the comb, produced a synergistic effect that caused his problems. It's helpful to understand that fungicides are simply a specific type of pesticide, and many can be absorbed by comb and cause countless difficulties. Among these are issues with the production of bee bread, which leads to nutritional problems, and a hindrance of the tox- of the honeybee's ability to detoxify, which leaves the colony over sus- overly susceptible to an ensuing chemical exposure. Another fun fact is that the fungicide prochloraz—I'm not sure about this one. I'm not familiar. Prochloraz produces an almost two thousand-fold increase in the toxicity of fluvalinate. Although it is widely used in Europe, Australia, South America, and Asia, American beekeepers can consider themselves lucky that Prochloraz is not currently being used here. As a side note, I have noticed that fluvalinate-based products have been making a slight comeback as an alternative mite treatment to reduce the chance of resistance with other compounds. In my opinion, fluvalinate should not be used because of its persistence in beeswax and propensity for toxic interactions. And I just want to pause here. <laughs> I, I, some of you might know what I'm about to say. But this I just want to say that this is, in my opinion, one reason to go to the extra trouble of using the organic approved chemicals. Um, not that they are necessarily better, um, not that they are necessarily less toxic, but they don't accumulate in comb. And um, that to me is important to the bees because it just, it's one less thing storing up in comb to interact with God knows what that all our bees are running into as they are out um, in the world. So, okay, y'all knew I was going to say that, but but um, anyway, I, I mean, to me, if if I ever have to use uh, treatments for my bees, I'll definitely use the um, the organics, the uh, formic acid and uh, oxalic acid and that type of thing. Okay, sorry. All right, back to the article. I personally experienced an instance of toxic comb about 10 years ago when I made a deal with a northern beekeeper to install nukes in his equipment and let them sit in my southern yards in Georgia for about a month before he picked them up. I placed three frame nucs produced from my bees in his brood boxes, along with enough of his drawn comb to complete the box. Within two weeks, I noticed brood issues developing in his boxes, even though the rest of our nucs looked great. I called him with a report and asked if he had any ideas. He asked me to give them a teramycin treatment, which I did, and also asked if he could leave them there an extra few weeks. The brood problem did not go away, and when he finally picked them up, many were still struggling to expand into his comb, even though they had been on a nectar flow for several weeks. After some discussion, he admitted that he had been having trouble keeping his bees alive and was fairly sure it was because his comb had been exposed to years of multiple types and excessive amounts of chemical mite treatments. By the looks of his very black comb, I was inclined to accept his theory and winced at the idea of having handled his frames. He also admitted he was hoping to repopulate his equipment, make a crop, and then sell out in late summer. This leads me to the straightforward and obvious advice. Beware of purchasing nukes or colonies with old black comb. And I'm going to pause here for a second. And in fact, that's some of the um, uh, better nuke producers that I know of. Um, I was reading about how they did it. And one of the things was the uh, the year before, they really pushed their nukes to produce new comb because all their nukes went out on new comb. And I kind of made a note about, wow, that is really much better. And um, I try to make a point when I sell nukes to not, you know, to have good looking comb in there because even though the comb is not going to be over five years old, I still don't want to send out any, you know, ugly comb <laughs> if I can help it. Okay, back to the article. All of this begs the question, how old is too old? I don't believe anyone can give an exact answer and suggest it all depends on what the bees have been exposed to. Beekeepers that pollinate multiple crops each year and have a high degree of chemical exposure should consider rotating combs out more often than anyone who is isolated from agriculture. There are those that suggest all combs should be rotated out within three years for optimum results, while others advocate the replacement of 20% of your comb each year in order to achieve a complete turnover in five years. Still others believe that by not replacing all combs at the same time, the migration of substances from older combs to new one permits a continuous low-level of contamination. Some, such as myself, approach it from a business perspective and try to understand where the point of diminishing returns begins when comparing cost to results. As for me, when all things are considered, I believe I am well served by replacing brood combs before they are 10 or 12 years old. Please note, I no longer pollinate and this is only my opinion and my conclusions are based on observations and experiences rather than scientific study. Beekeepers occasionally ask if using old black comb and extracting supers can influence the color and flavor of honey. Unless honey is filtered so completely that it removes all the particles and substitutes introduced by exposing the comb and processing, uncapping, extracting, including those that are absorbed or microscopic, then both color and flavor will be influenced. The blacker the comb, the less subtle the results. We should also remember that, for better or for worse, these, hus- these substances will be ingested when the honey is consumed. People also consider that changes will occur in color, flavor, and aroma when cappings from old dark combs are separated from honey with a cappings melter. Although quality, honey quality will also always pay a price when wax is separated from honey by melting, the end result will inevitably w- be worse when old black comb is involved. All beekeepers should rotate out old comb as part of their overall management strategy, and this includes non-treatment and organic treatment beekeepers alike. Any beekeepers who think they are immune to the problems associated with old comb are kidding themselves. We can't tell the bees where to go or what to bring home, and organic compounds can easily have nasty interactions too. Even in what seems to be non-exposure situation, combs will eventually become contaminated and overloaded with undesirable substances and will need to be replaced. So that is the end of the article by Bob Benny on BeeCulture.com, and it's from November 20, 2019. Um, It's possible that the article in the magazine goes on a little more because sometimes they lop them off for the online but um, I think that gives you some things to think about. I firmly believe that um, old comb should be rotated out. Uh, some of you who knew that I had a couple of hives that uh, had European foul brood earlier in the year. Now European foul brood beginners, that's not American foul brood, which is the big bad ugly one, um, but European foul brood uh, bees can recover and um, The European fowl brood does not form the spores, and it's the spores that make the American fowl brood so deadly, awful, and dreaded. So, just to be clear, this was European fowl brood. And the technique I used um, did not involve any antibiotics or any um, chemicals, but it did involve um, requeening with a strong nuke that I had and also shaking the bees off of all the um, comb that had been you know to my mind contaminated by the European foul brood and both of those hives did recover they went gangbusters in the summer and so I'm watching them this winter um, you know in hopes that they will continue going but um, with with all the foul broods it is a, a, a comb issue and which then affects the brood so I think there's a lot of wisdom to just planning on rotating your comb and this brings me to a side note I didn't expect to talk about this but um, I got a new catalog in the mail first one of the new year for bee stuff and it's the uh, Better Bee I think they're out of uh, Mm. where's Better Bee Uh, somewhere up north and they are selling the synthetic comb so it's synthetic honeycomb um, and i have thought a lot about this i mean i have a ton of comb so it's not so useful in my operation but i've thought about uh, new beekeepers starting out either with nukes or with packages and if 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 cost is not a barrier and it is expensive um, i think a few frames of this synthetic comb could get a package or a nuke really ahead um, not so much a nuke because because you it comes with comb and if they're fed and tended then and they're healthy they shouldn't have any trouble building up to overwinter size and let me emphasize the the feeding because um, you know the the nectar that they're going to be working for out in the world um, you know will go to raise more brood and they're going to try to draw comb but if you don't um, feed them Extra, they're going to have a hard time, and with packages, that's like double, triple true. And I know some people try to avoid pe- feeding sugar, um, but if you have a case where you have bare foundation, a package, or even a nuke, um, I would highly encourage you to uh, feed small amounts what I call trickle feeding until they have all the comb that they need for a full colony. Then, once they're in that full colony, um, then feeding, if you're careful with their honey, is not always necessary. Um, it can be necessary in some emergency situations, but or if you accidentally harvest too much. But uh, anyway, in those new nukes and packages, please, please, if you're new, um, please feed them (laughs) okay well i got off on that sorry i'm thinking about next year already and people starting out and um i've tried to think of a way to do some type of a b school with this podcast but i don't know how that would work and if any of you have ideas um if any of you like that idea and would like me to do um kind of an audio b school i I, i'm interested in i just haven't figured out how to do it um i might could do something like uh you know, every other podcast um, be the the bee school, and so the more experienced beekeepers could just skip those. Um, but anyway, if you new beekeepers, if you're interested in that, uh, kind of the 5 Apple Bee School, let me know, and if I get enough interest, then I'm going to see what I can do. And then if uh, anybody has ideas on how to do that, I would welcome. Um, my email is blueridge714 at gmail.com, and you can also message me on the Facebook page at, um, what is it, 5 Apple Farm Bees, Honey, and More. And then, of course, you can always talk to me on the Patreon page. Thanks so much. I'll hope to get back with you. Um, like I said, it may be some more article stuff during the winter, but I hope that that will tide us all over until that sun starts, until those days start getting longer. I get so excited now about winter solstice. I used to think of it so much as the, you know, just as the dark, dark, dark time of the year. But bees changed all that because once we get to the other side of winter solstice, it's not really that long, relatively speaking, at least here, until the daylight begins to change enough for the bees to take notice. And um, even in February, they can start putting tiny bits of brood starting off on their new year with the observation hive indoors i'm i'm very excited to see if i can tell you know when uh when they start with that early brood but anyway so we're heading towards solstice and just uh keep in mind that um right after that really the new year begins for the bees so hope to leave you with that uh, that kind of cheery thought as we go into these uh the kind of dark weeks of the year thank goodness for lights. All right. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you guys soon.